Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the fin difference between winning and losing! Welcome in to 11 Personnel. Big voice Nick Roush here, ready to bring you a broadcasting good time with my partner Adam Luckett. And I'll stop any given moment. Just cut me off, please. I don't you know. You done? I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Well, here, here's the thing, Luckett. Um, uh, well, baby Roush is asleep and he's very sniffly. I don't know if it's the snowflakes. He just immediately was just like, I'm going to be sniffly. So, like, I've got a lot of energy right now, but I don't want it to be very loud energy. I can project it, but I don't want it to shake the whole damn house. So, um, if I do temper my voice, it's because I don't want Sick Baby to wake up. Because last night, he did the thing where, after writing about another Kentucky basketball loss around midnight, he woke up as soon as I finished brushing my teeth to go to bed. And it was just like, oh, so not not going to sleep much tonight. Um, there goes. Well, that's the game we're playing. Yeah. So, so we're at least it was an early tip, though. Yeah. Thank God. It was Got bad. it out of the way. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, we were ready to rock and roll. We're ready to podcast. We got an SEC schedule release show. And man, the, the network execs, they have perfected the art of milking the teat of a schedule release. They like to they like to make you earn it. I guess that's the point of the network. <laughs> Which they kind of picked the wrong day because there was a lot going on. Well, today, I mean, to yes, at one point, but on another, you just had like I had SEC Network on from noon until I, I turned it off when I finally heard uh, what's his name singing, Kyle Paul Taylor, Taylor Hicks, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, yeah. I can only do so much of that. Um, but yeah, so they, 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 they put out a schedule right after Tennessee's intro press conference and, uh, similar to the last schedule party, we got lucky. They went week by week in the thing that, I mean, that, that part doesn't bother me. Um, particularly last time around when they completely, you know, reconfigured the schedules, it was a 10 game, all sec schedule. The part that bothered me is how much time they spent talking about non-conference games that we already had dates for. The whole point of the yeah, schedule release yeah. was to give us dates of conference games. And not only were they talking about that on their show, it was on the ticker who was playing, you know, uh, I forget Auburn's playing at Penn State, you know, like mm-hmm. Alabama, Miami. And it's like, do we know we've known for a long time that that is not new. And yet, that's what they're talking about. They were even talking about it in the halftime of some crappy SEC basketball game that was on tonight. They uh, they have their talking points just like anybody in media. So you gotta hit you gotta hit the talking points. And man, so, man. Clemson, hard. Georgia is. I mean, it's what we're gonna hear about all off season is that game. Um, which I mean, I'm not gonna lie, it's that's an awesome week one Saturday night game like everybody's gonna watch it mm-hmm. it really doesn't mean all that much big picture but it's kind of cool to see 
those two brands kind of at the peak of their powers going at it. So I, I get it, but yeah, it, it just, they can go and they can go in the same circle. I didn't watch it, but I'll ask you a question. Did they talk about the college football? How much do they talk about the college football playoff out on a, in, in January on a schedule release show? So I saw people complaining about it, but I, my, I guess that my hamster wheels were turning so much that I tuned out enough to where I didn't catch it. But I saw like that Brandon Marcella guy complaining about it. And um, I, I, I didn't hear, it didn't cross my mind. Now that's because I was busy like, Oh, well, what does this mean? What does that mean? And then when they were really dragging their feet on the first week, like we only got one new game time announced in the first 15 minutes of the show. Like it. <laughs> so yeah. I was, I was like looking up senior bowl videos of Drake Jackson during that time. So I wasn't paying too close of attention. Um, but I did see that there were some folks who were like, Oh, playoff, blah, 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 blah. I just, Chris Doring had his AirPods in and it was horrible audio quality. And they keep calling him CD. And every time I hear that, I just think of CD's nuts. Like, you can't have the nickname CD and be on television. You just can't. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, it's TV. You got to, you got to plug what uh, the boss man wants you to plug, I guess. But, as far as scheduling goes, I think from Kentucky's point of view, I mean, I really like how the thing breaks out. Yeah. And we like, got some some tweaks. Yeah, yeah, not the usuals. Um, Mississippi State is later than normal. Uh, well, if you go well, if you go back to last year, that Mississippi State game was supposed to be November seventeenth originally, mm-hmm. before COVID happened. So maybe this is kind of a change there. They're getting into. They're going to give Kentucky, Mississippi State later in the year and move the Missouri game up, which is what we saw this this year with Missouri in week two. Yes, that that is where uh, Florida was the last time we got in the schedule rotation was that second game of the season. Now it's Missouri um, sandwiched in between a couple of cupcakes um, with Terry Bowden and Chattanooga, which – Look at I like the fact that we're actually going to be able to scout Chattanooga this spring. They're playing spring football. Oh yeah, yeah, they're one of the FCS teams playing spring ball. Yes, yeah. so, I will watch some of that for sure. <laughs> and every time I hear the word mocks, I'm going to think of uh, mocks from uh, Varsity Blues. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mocks. Yeah. <laughs> um, Great movie. Oh. One of the, I mean, obviously it's very. Got to watch that before football season every year. Really, that's on your regular kind of. Uh, it's like rotation. it's kind of like a kick off the football season. Watch that movie, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know how. Like, not another team movie did kind of ruin some of it for me. But when that thing came out and you got to watch, like, because we weren't a lot, we weren't supposed to watch it at least. And when you did get to watch it at a young age, it was like, oh, man, I'm getting away with something. Yeah, yeah. But that movie, like the football scenes, I think I think they good. did a good job on those. Yeah. Like yeah. those, for the time they made it, and I think still to this day, it's still like, it's not like super bad. Right, right. The, um, especially compared to some, some, some football movies, like the blind right. side when he's blocking yes. a guy all the way down the field, that's just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the, the one thing about Varsity Blues, the 
the steel and the cop, like, like they just, they took things just maybe a little bit, you know, they were really stretched reality with like stealing a cop car, going to a strip club and the teacher who teaches the sex ed is the stripper. Like, come on. That's just, but you know, MTV. So they sell tickets, man. Still, I I still love it. I still think it's a great movie. (laughs) Great for what it is, for what it is. Tweeter's the best guy in that movie. Yeah, him yeah. and the dad. The dad, Mox's dad, is just a great. Yeah. Character. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's great, um, yeah. but uh, oh hell, I don't even know what we're talking about. Um, uh, Kentucky schedule of uh, the Mox <laughs> Chattanooga. But the thing is, like it is, aside from that gauntlet in the middle, where you go to South Carolina to start things up, and then it's Florida, LSU at home, go to Georgia. Everything else is really nice spots. And with LSU, LSU, they are playing Auburn first, and then that they go to Kentucky, and then they play Florida. So you get them in a sandwich spot. I don't mm-hmm. – and, and also you get that gauntlet uh, in October. And if we know anything about CC scheduling, they always give Kentucky – home games in October. Right. You're going to get those. Yeah, that's a good point. They're going to get both those games at night. Or hopefully you won't have to worry about a day game there. Obviously atmosphere will be better. Um, but when I look at it, Nick, I look at the schedule uh, in this way. You really have four games on this on the slate that are very winnable games for Kentucky games. We expect them probably to win and they're, they're They have cushion built around them. You got ULM the week before Missouri you got Chattanooga the week before South Carolina. You got a bye the week before Mississippi State. You got mm-hmm. New Mexico State a week before Louisville. So you've kind of got a situation set up where it's not a bye week on some of these, but it kind of is. Mm-hmm. Prepare for these games. And if you can take care of all those that I just named, you beat ULM in Missouri, that's two wins. You beat Chattanooga, South Carolina, that's four. You take care of Mississippi State off the bye, that's five. You beat New Mexico State, Louisville, that's seven wins, and you still got Vanderbilt on the schedule. You know, mm-hmm. like it, they're just, I, I, it's easy to walk through this and see them getting to nine wins. Yeah. And it's just stealing a couple here and there. Now, mm-hmm. the one that I think is my favorite development that won't get talked about that much is the bye before Mississippi State. Uh, I mean, Kentucky hasn't won there in 2008. You know, we, mm-hmm. we talk about in here the house of horrors that is Starkville. And no matter how bad Kentucky beat them last year, that those damn cowbells, there's just something about them. Yeah. And being able to win that game regularly, you can't take it for granted. Just like we kind of took the Missouri important game. game for granted uh, a little bit last year. So um, I'm glad you started there because, uh, you know, obviously everybody's mind goes directly to that three-game stretch in the middle of it in – you know, when you look at that three-game stretch now, I, I like this is us being optimistic. You know, uh, I I think the way Jeff Drummond put it um, from over at uh, Cats Illustrated, he's like, "Yeah, going into last season, we all kind of Martin Missouri as a win, and uh, what was the other one? And Ole Miss as a win. I didn't. Yeah, you 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 were alone in that, but none of us had Kentucky winning at Tennessee, except maybe I think I think you actually you didn't have that, did you? Yeah, I did. The, the <laughs> I did miss on the Ole Miss one, obviously, that everybody missed on. 
and what was the other one I missed on? You had us beat. But Georgia. I also caught him to beat Georgia. That was yeah. like my upset pick. Right, right. But like when we do this, obviously things can change. Kentucky's got a new offensive coordinator. If it's a disaster, all of our optimism now is just out the wayside. But right. this is this is like our we kind of think things are going to go in this direction. Obviously, there can be injuries. They, they can slip up at some point and, and drop a Mississippi State. Mississippi State feels like the traditional game you shouldn't lose. But if you take care of business, which Mark Stoops has done a pretty good job of beating teams he's supposed to, um, they played Florida really close at the Krogue the last few years. Uh, you know They're getting one of Florida LSU. Like, they're going to win one of those games, I think. I mean, especially but that Mississippi State game. getting that new that – new, yeah. everybody coming in like mm-hmm. but I worry that Mississippi State that's just tricky that's a tricky spot for that game and in 2017 it, it set up like this too where they had a bye went to Mississippi State and got their doors blown off mm-hmm. so I mean that's just that's a tricky spot obviously and, and we but I love play. I love the New Mexico State I love having that cushion before the Louisville game before the rivalry I think it's played out very well for Kentucky in the past they had it in 2016 when they got the, when they went and beat Lamar. They didn't have it in 2017, and they got they really weren't ready for that game uh, when Lamar came to Kroger Field and blew them out. Middle made sure Middle Tennessee made sure that they were awake. You know mm-hmm. that they couldn't sleepwalk through that game, even yeah. though they yeah. could have if they wanted to in 18. And then uh, in 19, UT Martin, I think it helped Kentucky kind of get ready for the Louisville game the week prior. I just think it's and in 2014, I think they had the bye week. And then they came out and almost pulled up an upset as a dog. So I just think it's um, it's really helped them in the past to get ready for that game, especially with how important that game is and how much emphasis I think they put on um, that one week when they play them. So I, I like I I wish they could do that every year. I know sometimes SEC is trying to get at least some of their teams to play you know some games that day, but I really like when Kentucky has that little cushion right there um, before they. Go and play Louisville. You mean go and beat Louisville, right? You, you, right. you misspoke there. Yeah, we get the ACC schedule tomorrow. I think so. We'll get to see how Louisville's breaks out. There, there is one other, I guess, caveat too to all of this is that you know we have no idea what stadiums are going to look like. <laughs> I mean, it's we're, it's we're all just hoping for the best right now. Right, right, and but if things do get to like let's say, I don't know, seventy five percent or something. Or I, I I have no idea how they're going to handle this. Where you got some people vaccinated, some people aren't. It's that's a topic for another day that I don't even want to try to get into. But like, let's just imagine that this is a normal situation. Wouldn't it be great to break into normalcy with five Kentucky football home games out of the first six to open the season? And your oh, one yeah. road trip is Columbia, South Carolina. I am ready for that first Kroger Field beer. I don't know about everybody else, but I cannot wait. All that, against Rich Rod, too. Yeah. I cannot wait to 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 do that. And then like this home this is what you dream about as a home schedule as a Kentucky fan. And this home schedule was supposed to have Louisville on it. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I, it's, it's about as good as you can ask for, man. It's just a great home schedule, and then it it um it blends in with a road schedule that's very manageable. Well, and I do you, like, could be favored in road games except for a trip to Georgia. Like that's certainly on the table. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, maybe no. I mean, you're you're right. <laughs> I was to say maybe South Carolina, but no. Um, and it, yeah, who the hell knows what Mississippi State's going to be? But yeah, you're you're exactly right. And I I do like that, even though Wolverine is down now, and we can say that. I like that they have flipped that where it kind of balances out the schedule a little bit better um, with, with Louisville uh, and Georgia, kind of your bigger games being opposite of Tennessee, Florida, where it's not all just kind of, you know, packed into one year. Yeah. And I, I think it sets up well. You've heard me talk about, you know, the end of the season is so important because they remember, they remember, they remember the bowl game. And they remember what you did in November when, uh, projecting out the next season, which is really the majority of the calendar. So I think it, it sets up well for them to end it on a high note, end on a winning streak. Well, and you can also start on a win streak too, and you get a bunch of you know right. kind of artificial momentum. Like yeah, well yeah. that's why that that three game stretch. It's really about what you do in the bookends. If you take care of business in the bookends, mm-hmm. but that three game stretch is really house money. And not to go back to the basketball game, but look what Alabama did. Their fans aren't going to remember how terrible they were against Kentucky in between. They were great at the start of the game. They were great at the end of the game. And you know what? It was good enough to call it a win. If you do, right. if you're great in September and November in this schedule, nine win season. Like, yeah, nine, nine wins season. is on the table. And I think in our prognostications, we know Kentucky is rebuilding. Like, there's huge offensive questions. But Missouri just lost their best – or like three best defensive players and their second-leading rusher in program history. Mm-hmm. They have questions and a new defensive coordinator. Which South Carolina's got a new staff. Shane Beamer can't keep people there in Columbia. Their running backs coach just left this week. I will say so, I do – it was a nice little splashy hire for Drinkwitz to get the guy who used to be the Cardinals head coach, right? Yeah, and he was a Browns defensive coordinator with Freddie Kitchens last year. His name's escaping me right now. Bricks or something like that, or um, but I, I saw that name and I was like, oh yeah, I know, I know who you're talking. I've heard. Yeah, that I mean, name he's before. been all over the place. Right, Steve Wilkes. Wilkes, there we go. Uh, that's 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 an interesting, interest. I thought that was an interesting hire. I, I liked him better when he was working with Jerry Springer. Um, his show broke off, wasn't that, that is the same name, ain't it? It's uh, a Wilkos, which my oh, God, that's there, right. There, there was a couple of guys in our fraternity, one of them I still actually know, but the other guy I've never seen him since. They would, they were uh, big fans of left handed cigarettes and they would just like skip class to watch Wilkos all day. It's like, guys, like you can watch trash TV forever, you're really just gonna skip college to do nothing and watch Will Coast. Come on. He's, he's Everyone has their vice. <laughs> they were addicted to it. Everyone does. Um, but, and, and, you know, today we'll, we'll get to it more, but the other teams that were falling apart, Tennessee, they're ready to win now, according to Danny White, freaking prick. Uh, what the hell is going on at Mississippi State? We don't know. No idea. Uh, I mean, and you want yeah, to talk about I mean, turnover. Rodgers is good. They kind of figured out some stuff at the end of the season. And Arnett's still there. I was hoping he would get out of there. Yeah, um, yeah. But, so that's, that's that's the game I think is going to be tougher than people are going to realize. That's my prediction. But when you look at as far as continuity and, yeah. I mean, it, it, Urban, he's losing some guys too. Not Urban, Mullen, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, they're losing not, a lot. 
get my sore losers, not only from a talent perspective, but from a coaching perspective, too. Uh, I saw where they had a guy going to the Jets. Garrick McGee was the name of the pass I'd heard in a while. He's now their receivers coach, former UVL guy. And then who did who did Coach O go and get at, L, at LSU? Did he go and get Freeman? No, Freeman picked Notre Dame over LSU. Okay. Then O tried to hire Ryan Nielsen, who played for him at USC and is the Saints defensive line coach. Um, but there was kind of a contract negotiation thing there with Sean Payton, and the Saints were able to keep him. And then he went and got um, – he's hired – his name's escaping me. I know they um, got the – back got... coach for the Vikings. Oh, wow. Okay. I know but, uh, offensively he, they um, got the guy who was holding Joe Brady's dipstick cup, and they were yeah. like, oh, well, he's got to yeah. be worth something. This guy for the Vikings, he worked with Dave Aranda at Wisconsin, who was their – coordinator last year gotcha gotcha so that was that was kind of the connection there but really yeah orgeron on his coordinator hires he's just banking on the joe brady and aranda magic with guys that work with him in the past <laughs> we'll see if it works yeah yeah and that one kid that court that lefty quarterback was pretty good um uh yeah nope. he's a guy that people are going to talk up i don't know if he's all that great he had I think him he, in florida yeah <laughs> like but yeah. uh there was a lot there was some coverage busts and stuff like that, but he's a and guy like thrown. I think people may be getting a little that he, him and Basilak are two guys this offseason that I think are going to kind of get overhyped. Um, that I'm that I'm upset that I'm going to hit the brakes on a little bit. I need to see a little bit more. Um, but yeah, they'll, they'll have they have talent though. I mean, they got they've top five recruiting class every year, so there's plenty of options over there. But yeah, they're it's a unique spot there for sure. Them in Florida both, I think. Yeah, and the one that I we have not talked about, um, I feel like we've talked about it a lot elsewhere, but not on this podcast. And man, it's it's kind of weird. Like, have you noticed that a lot of coaches don't want to be on Scott Satterfield's staff anymore at Louisville? Hmm. Yeah, yeah that should not be a surprise when you try to um, do the little shuffle he did there with South Carolina. Yeah, really. The signs are just there, Nick. And, like, I think we're going to look back and we should have known after that game, Bell's down. Mm. Like, that, that was kind of a glaring sign. <laughs> does this guy know, like, does he know, like, what the what this job is? That that was – and you, you've seen players opting out. And the comments he made about players opting out and just – and then the comments he made about the players – how his how it's harder on coaches because they have families <laughs> or whatnot. I mean, there's just like there's some moments here where you can like you're gonna look back and be like, oh yeah, he hit some checkpoints that we just really weren't paying attention. Well, here's the thing like that bothers me most about it. And the one we're most recently referring to is the Dwayne Ledford leaving. He was was he their offense coordinator or just offensive line coach? Yeah, by name. Yeah. So title. Right, right. He takes a job to work with uh, Arthur Clark at the Atlanta Falcons. It's going to be their offensive line coach. And he is now the only guy they have left is Gunter Brewer. And if you all don't know who that is, he's the old man that wears flat bills and all the recruiting pictures. He's hilarious. Um, just is a, is a caricature. He's a funny looking person. I, I don't know anything about him other than, oh my God, look at that guy. But he's the only offensive staffer they have left. Everybody else is bolted. And now, 
if like in a one-off situation, you can explain away some of these departures. Like, okay, well, the running backs coach Norval McKenzie, his buddy Clark Lee is now the head coach at Vanderbilt. He was his fullback in college. Okay, mm-hmm. you can explain that. Uh, Wedford coached Arthur Clark in North Carolina. There's a connection there. You know, why, why not go to the NFL? Frank Ponce, he was at App State for a very long time. Now he can be an offensive coordinator in title. Like, individually, like, it, I can explain away one of them, but the part that kills me with all of the honks over there at UofL is all of those guys, they've been through this time and time again. And the fact that they aren't sounding the alarms just shows, like, how little they care about actually, like, like they're they're willing to carry water as far as it'll take them. Yeah, the lack of reaction from Ledford was shocking because he he's it's not it's 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 fair to say that he was Satterfield's Vince Marrow. Like he was the most popular assistant on that staff. Yeah, he was he was yeah he was the most popular. Well, he was the best assistant on staff too. Like I think he's one of the better offensive line coaches in the country, which shows why the Falcons will want him at the next level. Um, but you look at you look at him, Satterfield, Frank Ponce, um, Ledford didn't come from App State. Used to work at App State, but didn't. They lost a linebacker coach who went back to App State to be the defensive coordinator. So they they, they just lost some guys already in that staff. They've had to do some shuffling. Defensive coordinator used to, they got better last year, but like I've I've said previously on this podcast, their defense really has to take a jump up next year if they don't they're going to be in big trouble because they also they've lost them offensively i mean they've, they've no lost hockey. a lot of important people right no two two they got a tough schedule it's it's gonna be a very interesting year um ucf who just lost their coach i think that's louisville's most important game of the year they get 20 they play Ole Miss. probably gonna be a loss early pretty hilarious that they opened the season like, like Against Ole Miss and then UCF, which <laughs> that, those well, could that be goes, disastrous. That's just it's dumb scheduling by Louisville. It just it, there's no other way to call it that. It's dumb scheduling. You don't need to do. You play Kentucky. You want to be aggressive and play one other Power Five team. That's fine. But you don't need to be playing like that. Your other G five team needs to be a like a. You need to guess on a MAC team and say this is who we think is going to be a low level MAC team, and then we'll play our FCS, or we're going to do a Sun Belt team or a conference. Not, yeah, don't, don't play American teams, right? <laughs> like, don't, or make don't. or make the American. Yeah, you can't you can't really do that. They're not or you could do the American team and Kentucky. You can't do Kentucky, Ole Miss, and the American team. Like that's that's they're asking for that to end disastrously next. When they schedule, they weren't. They weren't thinking this, but now that's that's the position you put yourself in. Now Ole Miss has got their act together with Kiffin. They're gonna have a top twenty-five team. UCF's gonna have one of the better quarterbacks in Kentucky in the country. Excuse me, in Kentucky, it's gonna have a team that's gonna be pretty good. It looks like that's your fault. <laughs> like you control your schedule. Like you have oh, to think about those. Man. And they just got a little. They got a little too big for their britches when they got in the ACC. Man, maybe that's why Satterfield was so desperate for an extension. Because he's like, man, we are going to get our asses kicked next year. This is going to get ugly. Yeah, it's a, and that's another reason. He tried to play the extension card, extension leverage, and Tyra didn't take the bait. How, how weird is it, too, that in all of the – like Vince Tyra responds to every text message from a reporter. 
does he not know that like you can just not respond you don't have to give out a comment every time bruce feldman mentioned scott satterfield in a job opening like dude lighten up vince don't you don't need to call a press conference it's fine yeah yeah <laughs> he just can't help himself he just can't he's learning on the job i'm still i still think it's kind of crazy that he gets to be the ad yeah i still think it's crazy that's who they pick long term to be the athletic director yeah. He had no really experience in the in the field, but he's yeah. done it. I think he's done a good job. Yeah, fine. Well, I, I want to talk about the the other AD that really is just man. Like, and I know you're very anti Phil Fulmer, but Danny White, his replacement at Tennessee, really just. I, I didn't watch him speak the first time, but at today's introductory press conference, if he, I mean, I don't know if he's a Yankee or not, but he really comes across as a Yankee doodle dandy prick. I mean, just the cockiest SOB in, in his introductory press conference. I just, I, I mean, this is a huge hire and I could not believe some of the things that were coming out of his mouth. Like, did, does he not realize that he's, in the SEC now, and he's hiring a football coach. Like I, that was what I found myself asking while watching all forty-five minutes of that press conference today. I got a kick out of him saying he never had a leak in his career, what, what? and he had two <laughs> Tennessee within the week. I mean, what? Oh gosh! I mean, this this guy. And uh, we're going to have to work on that. It's like, well, dude, who was the last guy that was talking about leaks? But how did that work out for him? Yeah. Good luck. Good luck with Tennessee and their 1,800 media companies. Oh, man. The football team. Well, the the thing like it that I thought was most – so Josh Heupel is going to be UCF's next coach. We can talk about the merits of him and all that sort of stuff. But the thing that I didn't understand about White was that he was very adamant on the usual talking points, but the usual talking points don't work here because he was your coach at your former school that you just came from. Yeah. So when you say that he was the first guy, he was the only guy that we offered for this job, like you're acting like that you, you didn't really do anything. Like it just, it, it's completely counterintuitive. Like it. It was a tough press conference for Danny White today. He got caught with his foot in his mouth a few times saying that they vetted numerous candidates. But he was the one guy for the job? What? Yeah, and he didn't want to take UCF's coach. He didn't want to do that. I mean, it's pretty clear what happened. He just got turned down again by everybody. <laughs> and he had, a, he had a script. He wanted an offensive head coach, so – and he wanted somebody. He wanted offensive mind head coaching experience, unless it was Tony Elliott from Clemson. And so you just got down the list, and there was Heupel. And then it got, I think, silly wise. They they wanted to make a hire. They sh- there's no harm in really playing the string out with Kevin. You already had an interim in place, just letting him, you know, and a staff that you're already paying for, just let that ride out, and then you know have nine months to get. Um, everything in order, and then you're ready to go, and you can vet candidates m- more, and you're going to have a bigger field to choose from because 
It's not a lot of this late are, in the process. It's, like, it's, they've, it's moved past that port part of the schedule. Like they're on to the next season. Right. Spring ball's about to, to start places. It's just some people, some coaches are just they probably didn't listen to Tennessee because of that. And plus, they don't know know what they don't know what the sanctions are. Well, they're, they're talking today like it's not going to be that big a deal, which I think might there might be truth in that because on the front end, it seemed like they were just trying to get Pruitt out of there, and that was also that was the avenue to do it. The thing that Mark Stoops wisely learned almost immediately that Joker Phillips never could grasp is like setting expectations is very important. And especially when you're dealing with a bunch of deranged lunatics that call themselves Vol Twitter. And not only was he, they were both, I think, uh, it, White called it a short-term problem. Heupel said that this is just a yeah. speed bump. It's like, yeah, that guys, was not, they should not have done that. Yeah. Like you are really setting yourselves up to look like a bunch of idiots on your first day on the job. First day on the job. So I just, I thought that was dumb. And then really the, of all of the, the dumb things that you could have possibly done. And I really applaud. I think it was a, a woman from WATE who asked about uh, why some people in Vol Twitter were, I don't know if she used Vol Twitter, but some Vol fans were being angry. And he said, this was White's response when I asked about some fans who were being negative. Some of you are awesome. Some of you are failing right now. Why would we be negative? It's like, wait, you, you, you really want to know? And, I mean, one of my favorite tweets was that Tennessee ranked 64th in win percentage since Twitter launched. <laughs> but, like, you're really going to, like, this is the first time people actually care to hear you talk, and you're going to say, you're failures. failures. He called a bunch of his fans failures. I think they do need some of that, though. They needed a guy in there to tell them to, like, just be blunt with them. But that, yeah. I don't think that was the way to do it. Because <laughs> here's the thing, like, when we actually talk about the merits of Hypo, like, there could be something to this. Yeah, but, I like, could, yeah, yeah. But just the way that they went about this press conference, especially when you – the entire SEC network's all about you right now. There's no other coaching hires happening. You were the story in college football. You yeah. were the one dealing with a bunch of allegations, and it's a fire, and you are the ones that are supposed to be putting it out and moving forward, and I just think they did a, did a terrible job of doing that. And I don't think this is coming from a place of wanting them to fail constantly. I think it's just objectively like, okay, well, of course the new Tennessee guy did not make things made things worse before we made things better because that's what we've come to expect from Tennessee. And it was on the heels of that tone deaf firing press conference they had. <laughs> they're, they're on fire with these press conferences. It's a, Tennessee's a unique place, man. And they've got a lot of stuff they need to figure out. And White's, White is walking in here um, with some WWE swagger and bravado. Like it almost seems like it's staged kind of thing. Some Vince McMahon walking down the catwalk right. kind of, yeah. No, there's, there's definitely, and I think need a little bit of that. And I do like that White, he came from um, came from this, you know, athletic department background, which I think is good. But when you do a little more digging in on him, a lot of it was like this guy's king fundraiser and that like Tennessee money's not a problem. 
like they, they can get money down there. Like that, that is not an issue. It's, it's structure. It's do it. This is how we do certain things. This is that, this is how we set in realistic expectations. I think that's part of the issue. Like just start off the bat. They have to play Alabama and Georgia every year. Alabama and Georgia are on a different stratosphere, not just than Tennessee, everybody in college football. There's four teams up there, or maybe five if you want to throw LSU in there, that can really play with them on a talent basis. So you're 0-2 to start, right? I mean, right off the bat, because Alabama and Georgia aren't losing to very many teams. They're going to beat you 98% of the time with the talent they have on the roster. Florida has had their number for 20 years now. They've beaten – I think they've beaten Florida twice since 2001, or since 2000. I think one was a Hail Mary. Or no, that was Georgia. They beat them. Now, Florida beat them on a Hail Mary. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not a Hail Mary. They're like, they just have their number and they recruit at a higher level than Tennessee. So you're 0 3 right there, you know? And then it it gets down to like Tennessee's expectation right now should be we're shooting for third in the East. We get to third in the East. We're sitting at eight and four. We're going to maybe the Outback Bowl. Let's let's shoot for that baseline level. That's what we need to achieve. Once we achieve that, then we can rate, then we can rise up, raise our recruiting a little bit, and then go. Instead, they come out, shoot from the hip, and say they want to win championships, and which is what everybody wants to hear. But I don't maybe that's not what they need to hear right now. We're gonna take a bite out of everyone's ass, is what they yeah. say after they go they to that one game. They just can't help themselves. Yeah. They they cannot help themselves. They're living in a small window. They're in like feels like ninety eight. <laughs> you forget before 96, 97, 98, 95, 96, 97, 98, when they had I don't know Peyton freaking Manning. Like it wasn't like that. Tennessee wasn't on that level. They were a team that ranked in the teens. They won seven, eight, nine games every year. Mm-hmm. That's kind of their avenue where they were. Solid with Johnny Majors, just in year and year out. They beat Kentucky, over, right? Absolutely. Over time, it's become this thing where Tennessee is a top five program. This is what they've done. Like, yes, they were when General Nealon was there in the 1940s. <laughs> like, the game has changed in really 18 trillion different ways. So, like, Tennessee needs to. Like, I just, I just think that I just think the expectations have just gotten too crazy because of that five, four or five year run they had there in the 90s. And when they lost Peyton Manning, they dipped back down with that with Fulmer. They were winning eight, nine games. And that's just kind of where they were. I think that needs to be their goal. And then if you can do that, then you can figure – then maybe that's when you take the next jump. If maybe the next hire, you can go get somebody a little bit bigger. But but, but they just – they have got all kinds of issues. I mean, we've talked about – we've talked about Tennessee a lot here uh, this offseason. I think it's going to be something we keep continue to talk about, but – yeah, it's it's kind of replaced Scott Frost because Scott Frost, nobody's staying there. Nebraska is just, yeah, man, everybody's getting out of there while they can before the ship completely sinks. But Josh Heupel has more hope than Nebraska, I think, because that move to the Big Ten really that that absolutely I think killed Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, killed From their a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, because yeah, that's that's all, all the, the teams they play. On. They right. don't fit in. The fans. The fans hate everything now about about that life. It's just they're yeah. in a worse spot where Tennessee, like they just need a couple things to break their way, and they can be right back um, where they're really competitive and giving giving teams uh, a difficult time. 
with because the talent they can accumulate just because of their well and, and they did that for a year or two with butch jones where they were kind of in, right like they, they've been on the edge of it but they haven't taken over the top and now mm-hmm. with hypo they're getting uh it it feels like a like let's see if this kind of gimmick will work and gimmick isn't the right word for what hypo does but i just first off there is going to be a little bit of hesitancy because of the last person that ran a spread out offense from ucf look where scott frost is now so there's a little bit of like well is this going to work secondly um i tj made a very good point that the hire could be a great fit because he looks like a stereotypical doofy tennessee head football coach yeah like he's he's got a real dumb look about him so he's gonna have some real dumb faces he's gonna look really stupid in an enormous orange like those what are those they look like ponchos they're like they're like short sleeve shirts but they're waterproof he he's totally got one of those yeah a big orange one of those and he's gonna look like a big dumb idiot um but you know if kiffin can get up and down the field at FAU. I mean, they scored a ton of points when Heupel was at Missouri. So he at least is familiar with the league. Maybe, maybe it does get him somewhere. Maybe it's, it's two letters QB like Kiffin last year worked because he inherited a top hundred recruit who he just was able to um, unleash last year. Like Matt Corral really came the, the reason with Ole Miss why everybody was prognosticating. We thought they had quarterback issues, but then Corral becomes this all as like he's going to be first team All SEC this preseason. Uh, yeah, yeah. Huh. It, maybe maybe, maybe it's JT either him Daniels. or JT Daniels. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. should be Corral. Yeah. And so, like with Tennessee, I just look at it. Does he have the quarterback? Like Frost, you just mentioned, it never had. He had doesn't hadn't had the quarterback. Heupel, as his pro, his his stock really took off, was after Oklahoma fired him when he had Trevor Knight. They had court, they didn't have a quarterback. The next year, he didn't get to coach Baker Mayfield. Lincoln Riley comes in, inherits Baker Mayfield, and they take off. But he goes to Missouri. Drew Locke, quarterback in Missouri program history, um, him or Brad Smith, you can make the argument. Um, and he really Locke had great deep accuracy, and that's really what this offense he has tapped into. He goes to UCF, gets Mackenzie Milton, um, and then they they do a good job. I can't remember if it was him or Frost that recruited Dylan Gabriel, but he lands that kid, and he, he ended up being really good right away. And so when you go to Tennessee, it's just all about can he find the quarterback. If they struggle to find the quarterback, it's going to be tough. But if he finds the quarterback, um, they're going to have a chance. The reason I think I like this hire for Tennessee, that I, I can see it being successful is – it's just something they've never done before. It's going all in on offense. Even when they hired Kiffin before, it was he had strict NFL background. It was very um, Pro modern kind of offense. Everybody was kind of running that offense in the league. This is different. Um, it's tapping in, like, the entertainment value. Like, we may lose, but we're going to score 35, 38 points. And when you look at the East, they're going to be the only team, Nick, that's full out running up-tempo offense in the East. 100% gas on the pedal, no breaks. And so from that, that could give them an advantage over their opponents because it's something tricky that they have to deal with only one time a year, and they're the, they're the team utilizing it. Yeah, I uh, 
did the, the freshman that they had this year, Bailey, is it Harrison Bailey? Did he yeah. hit the portal? Not, no, but the re, they have a kid coming in from Texas. They got, Hinden, they got Hinden Hooker coming in. Yeah, know. Hooker like Hooker and Bailey do not seem like fits for this offense to me. Um, I need I would need to look at more Bailey tape to see how good he is going down the field. Um, but, but he he he's kind of got a long line of delivery it seems like, and in this offense you need to get that ball out. I mean it's a lot of RPO and um, mm-hmm. quick getting it all out quick and then throwing it throwing people open downfield. They got a kid coming in from Texas. I think it's Kadon Salter or something like that. Um, top hundred recruit. That's the guy to watch for. I think if he can, if he can run this offense, he might be the guy. And then they might have something if he's good when he's young. Um, but yeah, also, they, I mean Tennessee's got a talent next to this. We just talked about they got twenty something guys in the portal. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were their better players on the team last year. So they, and I mean, they're in for a tough little rebuild here. But they need to. He needs to hit that quarterback, and they need to hit on a quarterback cool. fast. And he needs to figure out who his assistants are going to be because like, T. Yeah. Martin's got a kid who's a top 100 player that's going to be a senior next year, I think. Did you Plus see the quarterback? Yeah, you're right. Did you see Peerless Price's Twitter? No, no, no. What did Peerless Price do? He pretty much said like he just talked to T. Martin and that they're not keeping him kind of thing. And T. Oh. Martin was really upset. Because – and in, in, I could see you moving on from all the other assistants from that regime. T. Martin is one of those, like, eh, probably should keep him around. Kind of like the – Just for recruiting purposes, right? Well, and kind of like what Harson did, which, by the way, I always thought it was Harrison. I thought there was another I in there up until today. <laughs> but Harson got rid of that linebacker's coach. Well, he, I mean, he was – dude, has been at Auburn forever. And got rid of that guy who was Trevin Wallace's lead recruiter. And now – Thanks, Arson, because Kentucky could have gotten a top 50 recruit on signing day at a position of yeah. need. Like, they could have a – Auburn people – some Auburn people were upset about that, that they didn't keep that guy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that's going to be huge for Hypel. And, uh, I mean, I just kind of mentioned the Wallace thing. That could be enormous. I mean, like it – we're not going to talk by the, by the time that happens. National signing day, though, is – less than a week away by the time you're hearing this it's next wednesday which i believe is february 3rd and that just i can't i don't i don't know how else to be like hey you just lost your best defensive player but you got a top 50 recruit inside linebacker well Smack my ass and call me Shirley. Like you can't, you can't dial it up any better. And just when we, I mean, hell, if someone does that again, I mean, you want to talk about some recruiting chops to pull the Josiah Hayes thing on Kiffin, and then to be able to do this to Auburn and Georgia on signing day, that would it, it, enormous, enormous if that can happen. Yeah, he's the real deal, man. It's just, and then he would have two of the four four star prospects in the class. Summer mm-hmm. I would. With uh, him and Christian Lewis, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how, like, I don't know how. Like, I, I feel pretty good about it, like it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a much better feel on that, a much better read on that after this weekend. But as of right now, like, I, I, for a second, I was like, well, Kentucky's got a chance, but it. After this weekend, I'll I'll have a good I'll have a good notion if it actually is going to happen or not because I, I kind of think that it's looking in that direction. And if it does, 
you know, like we're not going to be able to, to toot that the horns enough um, for a recruiting win. So, only uh, time will tell, my friend. Yeah, only time will tell. Are there any other things that we've um, that we missed on? Like, uh, I know we had. Uh, do we have anybody go in the portal? Oh, Khalil Branham went to the portal. That was a surprise. But did he go in the portal? No, he didn't go in or the portal. He's not, he's not. He's just not with the team anymore. So I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. But at least you've got umpteen other receivers. You know, I just, I, I really love Branham's. He, he was a different kind of kid, man. Yeah. They, uh, Nick, I, I ran the numbers. I think I'm going to write a post on this this weekend. Um, but I'll give you all a little teaser right Ooh. now. You gave us a teaser of one you wrote this week about that winning window that I, I was a big fan of. I did. Okay. Now I got Kentucky. Um, let me count right quick. 84, 85, 86. I got them at 87 scholarships. Now, if Wallace comes in or they land a transfer to, those aren't counted. So yeah, there's still, you know, yeah, there's still, uh, there's still, you know, there's some cuts. They're probably not as many as I maybe thought they would have to get, but there's probably going to be three or four. They'd still probably need three or four more people to enter that portal. Yep. No, so that's something no. to watch for. And they've got 16 scholarship receivers right now. It was 17 before Branham entered. Sixteen um, is a lot. Yeah, you don't need that many. Especially there's not. I don't know if there's sixteen seats in uh, Boo Knight's position room. <laughs> uh, that one's one of the bigger ones. I think they've got four rows in there. Yeah, so that one, uh, that's <laughs> one to keep an eye on. I think that 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 position group. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you know, I mean, Stoops mentioned in that interview about Tay Tay Crooms. He wanted to see him step up. Yeah. It might be a it's hey, you you got a spring step up, go do your thing, man. So. Uh, we'll wait and see. You like it before we go? I want to ask you a question that I think is a very legitimate question. Who wins more games this year's Kentucky basketball team or next year's Kentucky football team? Right now, Cal's team is five and ten. With I think they they got some uh, winnable games coming up on that back end of the SEC slate. Yeah, they don't have it's any coming up right away, but. They got a tough stretch right here, but they, in back in February, they got some win, they got some wins baked in there. But is there such thing as a baked in win for this Kentucky team? Yeah, that's a very good point. And if you're, I mean, they're playing. As long as they play close, some of these games are going to start bouncing their way. I feel like. Yeah, they got to. They got to. But th- there is a thought where you're like, can Kentucky? Because if we count a football bowl game, like let's just we'll dream big and say eleven games. Can the Kentucky basketball team win 11 games this year? Because they probably won't do NCAA tournament. You don't know what's going to happen with the SEC tournament. Let's hey, go folks, to, let's about go conference to tournaments right now. Let's go to Kim Palm's projections right now. Oh, man, I'm sure. I'm sure. He's got them at 10 and 15 is the projection. <laughs> so five and five the rest of the way. Oh, I'm telling you, it's, it's, a, it's a question that has more validity than it should. Yeah, it's one of those years, man. People are going to be excited for spring football. Oh, yeah, they are. Uh, Expected. They certainly are. They certainly are. Well, look, this has been fun. Didn't expect us to have this much to talk about. Thanks for the schedule release party, folks. Even though it was, you know, 45 minutes, you know, this this is a a long show. Probably too long. 
longer than it needed to be. But still, it was a good time. It's going to be that month of October is going to be a blast. Yeah, I those, can't wait. Those two weeks in Lexington, like it, you win in September, the juice in the atmosphere going into that Florida game and the juice going into the LSU game, even if things don't go your way. I mean, there's just, especially if you get to passing the ball, like you get Bo Allen, you know, mm-hmm. who gets some, some touchdowns under his belt, Wandale breaking some people off. Like you can get, you can talk yourself into some, some yeah. high hopes with the schedule. There could be strong 2007 vibes where they had Florida and LSU back-to-back. Oh, yeah. It was flip-flop, though. Right, but right. that time in Lexington, I mean, it was crazy. Dude, I was 16 and on top of a car with a sledgehammer before a game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, mean, that's, that, I don't even need was, to hear anymore. That's enough of the story. Exactly. That's that's Bring it back. I, I will happily get on top of a car and hit it with a sledgehammer in October of this fall again. Happily do it again. Let's run it back. I think the schedule yeah, I think the schedule breaks where that that could be that's going to be a real possibility. Well, there's really going to be some buzz building going into those 2 weeks. Oh, man. It'll and be like, here before you know it. I've talked about like the window's the window is here and if you get if Florida or Georgia implodes, which you know, it's college football, it could happen. There's an opportunity there. You wait, Dan Mullen imploding. Never seen that before. Yeah, he just lost his offense coordinator today. Too. Grant, Grantham's still hanging around too. Grantham by 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 thread. <laughs> It'd be nice to get one more on Grantham and just open yeah. it up yeah. one more time before he gets out of there. Oh man, and to run it back like that 2016 Louisville game, just like first play of the game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Then see uh, him rage quit on the sidelines. <laughs> like Pruitt found Brumball. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, okay, let's get out of here. This has been fun, though. Enjoy the snow, everybody. Enjoy the Super Bowl. It's right around the corner. We'll have next week talk about Super Bowl. Uh, we'll, we'll talk plenty about it. Until then, go Cats and go Kroger.